welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Robin Shapiro. She's the board chair and co-founder of Health Advocate X, whose mission is to help people transform from patients to active participants in their care. She's a nationally recognized health advocacy expert and the author of the best-selling book, The Secret Language of Healthcare, How to Ask for the Care You Deserve. Welcome. Thank you. Hey, Hi, Robin. Hi. You? Excited to be here. So um, Robin and I, don't we've known each other for a while, and mm-hmm. I've been very interested in her work. And she is um, one of, she's a person who has become a very strong advocate for patient care. And as Robin knows, we're sort of, she and I are both in the same mission. I'm trying to get patients to take care of themselves from a medical standpoint. She's doing the same thing, but from a different energy. And so I'm excited to have her here. And so she is the the co-founder of Health Advocate X, which is one of a few companies she's founded. What are some of the other companies that you have founded? Well, and I, and I also, I want to say Health Advocate X is actually not a company. It is a nonprofit organization oh, and it's okay. Health Advocate X is focused on helping people transform from being a patient to being an active participant and partner in your own care. And so that came along, uh, actually Health Advocate X evolved from the Washington State Health Advocacy Association nonprofit in Washington State. Okay. That was founded in 2012 by okay. myself and Beth Droppert and a few others. And um, really, the, the name of the game is to help the public understand that they should never go it alone, that they should always have someone by their side helping them make sure that they're getting the care that they deserve. And also to look out for them, to be their eyes and ears and support, because it's very difficult as a patient when you're giving a diagnosis, when you're trying to make a change to do that on your own. I mean, even think about even a a weight loss journey. So I, I, and I'm guilty of this as well. You know, the pandemic, I overindulged put on the COVID-19 and, and recently actually just kind of said, okay, I'm going to sit down and, and go after it and hired a coach to help me to set up a plan, make sure that I can be successful in the plan. And a health advocate is very similar in that they are your co-pilot. And so you asked me uh, what other companies I have founded. So originally founded Health Advocacy Strategies. And you can see a theme over, over my life, right? Health Advocacy Strategies. So working with biotech pharmaceutical companies and other organizations to amplify a patient's voice and experience back mm-hmm. before there was the concept of patient experience. So Founded that myself in 2002, and then went on to found companies with uh, business partner Cheryl Lubert. They're all under the umbrella HPG LLC. So, Robin, you, this, the Health Advocate X is a, a not-for-profit mission to help people have a voice in the medical care. 
and you founded some companies that were in the same space, but these are companies that you founded, you said in 2002 is when you founded well, this? Well, the original company was uh, Health Advocacy Strategies 2002, okay. and really work working with biotech and pharmaceutical companies to integrate the actual patient experience into all aspects of their business. And the idea behind that was to have conversations with actual patients about what was happening with their bodies, how they make decisions about healthcare, and also to really um, elevate personal healthcare experiences and journeys so that biotech and pharmaceutical companies had the actual understanding of patient experience instead of just wondering, you know, um, how patients manage effectively. And you mentioned before the podcast about um, how you got into this. You, were, you worked with Dr. Mm -hmm. Edwards, Edward Coop years ago with the public health messaging. You said that was one of the first efforts of its kind. Well, yeah. So in 1988, um, the uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the Surgeon General C. Everett Coop uh, penned a letter to every household in America about HIV and AIDS. And that was uh, right around the time that Gallup showed that the number one health concern on the mind of Americans was HIV and AIDS, because at the time people did not have adequate information. It's, you know, going through the pandemic, it actually brought up a lot of memories of those years as well, because, uh, and I think the federal government and in part did a, a, a good job because they, they really took the bull by the horns and made sure that every household in America had a flyer, had a pamphlet about what HIV and AIDS was, how to prevent it, you know, and, and tried to calm the public down because that was definitely a fear. And that was, that was groundbreaking back then. And that was one of my first jobs was to contribute to that particular publication. Nice, excellent. And you just recently wrote a book called The Secret Language of Healthcare, How to Ask for the Care You Deserve. So it was published in October 2019. Mm -hmm. And what was the um, how, what was the energy behind that book? It sounds like somewhat the same effort of what you're already doing. Yeah. So, you know, I have been working in health advocacy in one way or another for many decades. Uh, and you know, I was, I was hearing the same stories over and over again, and people kind of starting from ground zero when they were diagnosed, or they would meet me or other advocates and say, oh, I wish I would have known about you when, here's what happened to me. And so what I did was I, um, I took 20 of the most, you know, straightforward topics that any ordinary person should know about, including like, oral care in the hospital, for instance, or um, stroke or, you know, topics like that. And uh, basically in a very simple format, tried to provide really uh, important and uh, memorable stories that are actual true stories about how people navigated either well or not well and what to learn about that. So that when people come across these very common issues in their life, they know what to do and the resources that are available to them. What's your perspective on the need 
for your services. I mean, from my perspective, I've been in medicine for 40 years or so. And of course, there's lots of new services, lots of things that we do better now than we used to. But at the same time, it seems like the business of medicine has made your services more needed. Is that a fair statement? I mean, what, I guess what I'm asking, what's the trend you've seen over the last 20 to 30 years in healthcare that either makes your services more or less needed? Yeah. So these services are more needed than ever. And I feel based on the anecdotal information that we have heard that the medical system and providers, doctors like you, are more open to actually embracing the idea of patients having an advocate by their side in navigating healthcare. And the reason for that is, you know, it used to be this patriarchal healthcare system where the doctor was king, he primarily told you what to do, and you did it, and that's that. Um, so that's changed over time. And a big part of that actually is a baby boom generation wanting to be more in control of what happens in their life. And so that's a, that's a good thing because uh, health advocacy is all about having choice and control. And I think that healthcare providers also understand that when a patient brings in an advocate, that shows the doctor, the provider, that that person is really taking all the support and mentally committing to having a good outcome. Because without somebody by your side, it's really hard to process a diagnosis, medical choices, and even if you have the most superb doctor who can provide you a point of view, it's very hard to kind of organize your own stuff. <laughs> right. Goes along with making those medical decisions, right? So you're thinking about, gosh, if I am sick for you know, a prolonged period of time, how am I going to provide for my family? Um, you know, if I make the wrong decision, will I be in pain? How do, you know, there are all myriad kinds of things. So, so I do think that, um, and, and we see by more advocates getting into this work and being successful at partnering with patients, we do see an uptick in more people engaging in uh, health advocates and health advocacy work. I mean, I'm interested in for my work because, you know, I deal with a lot of chronic pain work, which is actually rapidly turning into a chronic disease process. Mm -hmm. It turns out that all chronic disease, whether it's mental or physical, are linked by the same common inflammatory process. It's metabolic and inflammatory. And even anxiety is inflammatory, not psychological. So all these chronic diseases are, are driven by chronic elevated metabolism and inflammation. So the general flavor is that if you're in a constant threat in anxiety, that your body's inflamed. And so the essence of the problem is ongoing threat, and the essence of the solution is ongoing safety. And if I hear you correctly, is that your goal is to create more of a safety net so people feel more comfortable. Absolutely. Healing in and of itself. Absolutely. You know, it's so interesting because now we've been running this not-for-profit for, -profit for um, almost 10 years, and we have people contacting us trying to connect with health advocates, trying to seek help in a variety of ways. And we actually take those calls. We listen to people's stories. And sometime in, sometimes in the telling of the story, that is actually healing in and of itself, just listening, 
just not not taking any action, just listening, because for so many people, they lack the deep listening. So yes, I believe that health advocacy uh, aims to create safety, and I think provide safety, because instead of being in the healthcare system that's set up in a certain way, and to, you know, solve problems, make money, you know, the whole thing, you have somebody by your side who should be unbiased neutral navigator. And, and I do think the observations about threat and safety, and you've been teaching me this for several years, I've been listening and learning and, and I do really believe that that is the crux of it. There's a paper out of Austin, Texas, <clears throat> written by Dr. Robert Danzer, D-A-N-T-Z-E-R. Mm -hmm. He reviewed the last 10 years of research looking at social factors on inflammatory markers. And there's four, I mean, there's lots of factors, but the four main ones he came up with were um, hope or optimism. The second one was social connection. The third one was a positive affect or can-do attitude. And the fourth one was a sense of control. Mm -hmm. And so all so lack of those causes inflammation. And of course, having control is actually anti-inflammatory. But also with your advocate, again, you have social connection. So you're addressing that. And then when you have some control and an advocate, then you have some optimism and hope. And then on top of that, you now have a positive affect that I can do this. So what happens is your process, I don't know if you knew this exactly, directly addresses <laughs> inflammatory markers. Well, that is a fascinating perspective, actually. And I, you know, a different way of, of uh, looking at it. Previous research has shown that if you, um, if you activate patients in a certain way, and this is coming out in, you're probably familiar with it, uh, Judith Hibbard from University of Oregon, the patient activation measure is all about basically building confidence in patients. Right. And so a lot of the work that we do, we um, measure based on, do people feel more confident after, you know, listening to our, our content, attending our programs, reading our material. And I think it gets at what you're saying this research is, which is building confidence and competence around control and choice. And that is exactly what health advocacy tries to get. So, yeah, I'm sure you don't have data on this, but it strikes me, and I didn't really realize this until we were talking today, but yeah, your interventions have a direct anti-inflammatory effect, which actually helps heal the actual disease. So I'm curious if you've had any impressions that that's happening amongst your advocates or seen that happen yourself? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I'm, I'm fascinated because of my background actually in, um, in, in working in areas that are autoimmune, you know, related about, could you, could you measure that? And you bring up a really interesting uh, perspective. There's no data on that where, you right. know, I think that'd be tough. Um, that would be tough. Although you probably could get some advocate companies to sign on to some kind of research like that. And I'm also thinking that, you know, we have a conference coming up, you know, we always have an annual conference. You were very generous to, uh, to participate in one a couple of years ago. And this year it'll be focused on what 
COVID-19 has taught us about health advocacy. You know, where's health advocacy now? And I'm really curious about this autoimmune uh, impact from COVID-19. Right. Well, that's a whole different topic, which I'm happy to talk about. But, you know, I don't know if you met my friend, Dr. David Clausen. Oh, you you did. You met Dr. Clausen, correct? I did. So he's a genius. Yeah. And he has completely (laughs) put this together. So he's written a 40-page paper on the long haulers in um, COVID. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not a lingering virus. It's the same stuff we've talked about with chronic disease is this ongoing inflammation. Mm-hmm. So everybody has threats in life and, you know, it's societal or money or relationships or whatever it is, those are all threats. And so, of course, the COVID disrupts your financial life, social life, mm-hmm. which is also inflammatory. Um, it also knocks you down physically for a while, which is also inflammatory. So what the problem is, it's not any magical formula. It's just ongoing inflammatory load that makes people sick. It's the same process. It's not, it's not, it's actually not a mystery why there's a long collar syndrome. It's basically the same chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia syndrome. It's all the ongoing inflammation. And of course, the treatment is what we've talked about over and over and over again is actually creating safety instead of threat. And what people don't understand that again, it's not psychological, it's physiological because mm-hmm. when you feel safe, or as Dr. Porges calls it, cues of safety then you're full of oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, anti-inflammatory proteins called cytokines, metabolism slows down. So you're, you're in a rest and regenerate mode instead of a fight or flight mode. So it's that sustained mm-hmm. exposure to fight or flight that actually causes people to break down. So why do you think, I mean, we're getting a little bit off topic here, but why do you think um, kids are being particularly affected because they wouldn't have right the sustained threat load so why is that happening with COVID? <laughs> this is something we should really <laughs> talk about because there's a whole other level of information that has yeah. risen to the surface is that uh-huh. <clears throat> so right now in our society kids have very high expectations placed on them right mm-hmm. okay yes. that is extremely inflammatory and there's no end point. Yeah. So kids are, when they say kids are getting stressed out, is that their bodies are inflamed from unmeetable expectations. That's a threat. Mm-hmm. So it directly affects the immune system, which actually makes kids sick. We know the instance of chronic disease among kids has gone up something like a thousand percent in 10 years. I gave a talk at Garfield High School, and in that group of 1,500 students, over 350 were on chronic medications for chronic illnesses. Irritable bowel, irritable bowel, spastic bladder, autoimmune So what's happening, these kids are really stressed out and then they're socially isolated, which again, was, was yeah. I guess social isolation is, is inflammatory because it dysregulates the vagus nerve. So again, this is not psychological, this is physiological. So these kids already have their own stresses. Then you add on the stress of social isolation, et cetera, your body's going to start buckling a bit. So it's happening at a younger and younger age. Mm-hmm. I think what's relevant also for health advocacy and health advocates is to try to understand how to bring forward these concepts, because obviously when their clients are contacting them, they're in crisis mode, right? They're all over the place. So I think one of the things that, um, that I would like to see, you know, you asked me earlier, like, 
what would be the take home message. It's don't go it alone and partner with someone who can help you in lowering your inflammation, lowering the threat load, and also navigating in a way that works. One of the things that's so, I would say, surprising about health advocacy is effective health advocacy really has to do with effective communication. And I think that directly relates to feeling safe because, you know, for you or me, different people communicate in different ways. You might relate better to someone who has different skill set, different background, that kind of thing. Really important when patients are evaluating who they're going to have on their side as a health advocate, that they evaluate the communication style and competence of the health advocate, whether or not that health advocate is a professional or a family member or a friend. Right. So Robin, thank you for this segment. Um, what I would like to do in the next segment is actually look at what you actually offer a given person, the efforts you're creating as far as organizing advocates, and also where you think we can go in the, you know, just with the trends of healthcare, what can we do mm-hmm. to actually make a difference in healthcare? So um, her book is The Secret Language of Healthcare, How to Ask for the Care You Deserve. She runs a nonprofit called Health Advocate X. And I'm a pretty busy person, but I think you might be busier than I am. I'm not sure. (laughs) I can't imagine that because you're very, very busy. (laughs) But anyway, so I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the uh, program today. And uh, thank you. My pleasure. I'd like to thank our guest, Robin Shapiro, for being on the show today and for telling us about her company, Health Advocate X, and the role that health advocates play in the patient care process. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.thedocjourney.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.